Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Well, this is the last time that we will be talking, you and I, before the 2022 NFL Draft. And I have some parting thoughts. I have some thoughts before this all goes down. And I want to start a little bit Before we even get into my mock draft, which is an annual tradition of mine, I'm going to attempt to predictively do a mock draft. But before we get into that, I want to start with intellectual honesty. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that you're going to see some interesting reactions to the NFL draft from a lot of different people, media, content creators, fans. And I think it's really interesting to see how people frame their public opinions on the players that their teams drafted and the maneuvers they made on draft night. The easiest thing to do if you are a public figure is to say that you're okay with whatever your team does in the draft because people are far more likely to dunk on you about your negative takes than they are to dunk on you about your positive takes. The people who said Josh Allen wasn't going to be very good, those are the people who get dunked on. The people who said EJ Manuel was going to be very good, everyone has a good laugh about it. Nobody dunks on that. Nobody has their football knowledge questioned. So the best thing you can do if you are attempting to protect yourself, intellectual honesty be darned, is just say that you are vehemently in favor of whatever direction the team takes. But that creates an issue because what if you had opinions before the draft? Well, you have to go back and scrub them. You got to delete them all. Or you have to have only positive opinions before the draft. One of the things I notated on social media earlier this week was that the overwhelming majority of opinions you see in general on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and everywhere else leading up to the NFL draft when it comes to players and scouting reports 
is positive. Overwhelming. Once I tell you this, you'll never be able to unsee it. Go through and count up the tweets or the posts of all the positive things about a prospect and then count up the negative things. The positives will grossly outweigh the negatives, especially the more visible that person is, the more visible that account is, the more likely they are to put mostly positive, overwhelmingly positive things out into ether. Why? Because every prospect's amazing or because they're trying to hedge, because they're trying to protect themselves from potentially being put into a bad spot down the line. So this is where you have an opportunity to decide what you're going to be. And I have an opportunity to decide what I'm going to be. The easiest thing for me to do, and the reason we're talking about this to begin with, is due to the possibility that the Buffalo Bills are going to draft Brees Hall at 25. If I were to tell you that I am absolutely in favor of that, and I'm all the way on board. Let's go ahead and do it. The second after it happens, how unbelievably hypocritical would that be of me? I've said many times before, I would never draft a running back in the first round because the value proposition is too bad for me. That doesn't mean Brees Hall couldn't be a good player. It just means that opportunity cost taking Brees Hall at 25 and a different position player at 57 is never going to line up for me as well as taking the different position at 25 and then a running back at 57. That's always going to be the way it goes due to value. But I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be intellectually dishonest because the best thing I can be is honest. So if the Bills were to draft Brees Hall at 25, I'll probably say this. I don't think taking a running back in the first round is appropriate value. Apart from that, here's what I think about the player. But the easiest thing to do to avoid getting dunked on is just always be in vehement favor of whatever your team does. That's the easiest thing to do because you're not going to get dunked on for being wrong if you're excited. You're only going to get dunked on for being wrong if you're not excited. A man much wiser than me told me one time, he said, Bruce, there are millions of binary choices in life. And most of them are binary choices between what is right and what is easy. So I recognize fully that I'm not taking the easy way out for this, but I wanted you to know why I wasn't. I wanted you to know why I'm not taking the easy way out and saying everything is great. Everything is awesome. No matter what the bills do, no matter what my favorite team does, it's going to be amazing because that's the easy way out because nobody's going to dunk on me for getting excited because they want to get excited. The fan base wants to be excited about the pick. They don't want to crap all over the pick. The overwhelming majority of them anyway. Some people just love being miserable, but the vast majority of people want to be excited And when they see the juxtaposition between the way they're feeling and what they're seeing, then they get upset and they love to take notes and bookmark tweets and come back 
and dunk on you for being wrong unless you're excited. If you are really, really excited about AJ Epinesa, nobody's going to come back and dunk on you two years in when so far he's been a disappointment. Nobody's going to dunk on that. They're only going to dunk on the people who didn't like Josh Allen. So I wanted you to know that this is the time when we can pay attention to that. This is the time of year when we get to decide if intellectual honesty matters to us or not. And if it matters to you, great. But I wanted to explain to you why it matters to me. We're going to go to emails and we're going to clear out the entire inbox before the draft. Jamie says, Bruce, there was a graphic somewhere this previous week that the Bills have a 12% success rate with their second round picks. And this is well below success rate of their other picks. So let's say Bean decides he doesn't want to pick in the second round with the theory of why do things you're poor at? So, Bruce, of these four options, which is the most desirable to you? Number one, use the second round pick to move up in the first. Number two, trade down for various thirds. Number three, use the second and assets to move up in the first. D, keep the second round pick. Of the four, keeping the second round pick is the most valuable thing to me. The fact that the Bills haven't had a ton of success in the second round isn't really related to the second round at all. This is a little bit like ice cream and polio. If you look at any macroeconomics course book, they will talk to you about correlation and causation. And one of the examples that they will use is the cases of polio in the United States trending alongside ice cream sales. And did you know that there was a long stretch of time where these two things ebbed and flowed together. They're in no way related to each other, but they ebbed and flowed together because they correlate, but they're not causative. So the Bills not being successful in the second round doesn't mean they just can't be successful in the second round. They could have missed on their first round and hit on the second round pick, and then the numbers would be very, very different because it's still a fairly small sample size. So I'm not scared away from second round picks. So for me, it's just keep the second round pick. Chris says, Bruce, it's a Saturday night and there's a UFC fight night and there's USFL on the television. What are you watching? Or are you watching both? If you could only watch one, which is it? For me, I'm biding my time watching both until the Carolina Hurricanes and Colorado Avalanche drop the puck in the NHL. Go Canes. Just so you know, I'm really glad that you said NHL because it took me a second to realize that those were hockey teams. Third, what are three different thoughts you have on the USFL? Okay, so firstly, all things on the table, I would probably watch a UFC fight night over the USFL if I was forced to choose because I, I'm trying hard to not get too emotionally involved in a spring lead before they, they close down again. My wife and I said we were going to pick a team. We haven't done it yet. We go back and forth and we enjoy watching the fight nights a lot. So I probably would pick that. What are three different thoughts I have on the USFL? My first thought is that I think spring football is good for football. I think the NFL gets stagnant. They get disconnected from what fans want. And I think almost as a test resource, I think spring football is valuable. They can be a little bit more experimental with things like kickoff, with things like replays. And I think it's good. And I think that that would migrate to the NFL the same way that college slowly migrates to the NFL. So for me, 
I think it's a good thing. Number two, I think it's a shame the NFL doesn't have a developmental league because there are players who could use development, but every NFL team is so worried about getting fired. The coaches are worried about getting fired. The GMs are getting worried about getting fired. Players don't develop the way that they should, and practice squads are not enough. So for me, number two is I'm really glad they have a developmental league. And number three, selfishly, as a guy who doesn't really watch any other sports aside from football and fighting, I'm all about spring football. So those are my three thoughts on the USFL. I am all in favor. Give me all the spring football I can possibly get. But right now, because I'm not emotionally involved yet, I would still take uh, fight night. Connor says, hey, Bruce, been a listener since the Nick and Nolan days. First off, a genuine heartfelt thank you to you and Mrs. Nolan and all the dog pictures for everything you've done for the Bills community. You've provided literally dozens of hours of high-quality entertainment, analysis, and thought-provoking discussion and asked for no accolades. Bravo, sir. I was listening to the football podcast the other day. I can't remember which one to credit it. And Andy Reid's tenure with the Eagles was brought up. The person being interviewed roughly stated Reid would often utilize a dominant cornerback on one side while the other side was rostered by somebody notably less effective. This brought on two thoughts. Number one, I wonder what that's like. Number two, wait a minute. Wasn't McDermott under Reid during that time? What's your opinion on the idea that Buffalo Bills McDermott is still relying on an old defensive strategy from the Philadelphia Eagles McDermott? If such a correlation, positive or negative, is there, what can we expect from the Bills' search for a new defensive additions in the upcoming draft and period until the trade deadline? So this has actually been well documented. We have this phenomenon we call the get-by guy when it comes to Sean McDermott. It's always been a really good cornerback and then a get-by guy. And for the last couple of years, Levi Wallace has been that get-by guy. That's been the dude. So it's an actual thing. <laughs> it's been... It's been shown in evidence over and over and over and over again. But we know that Sean McDermott is a growth mindset coach. So at any given moment, he could decide not to do that. Listen, trends are important. I like trends. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. But it's not a flawless predictor of future behavior. It's a good one because no matter how much people change, typically it's slowly. And a lot of times it's not at all. Now, we know Sean McDermott is a growth mindset coach. We know he changes, but we don't know when that's going to be. So we know that there's a history of a get-by guy at CB2, but that could change at any moment. He could decide this year is no longer the year for a get-by guy. So it's absolutely a thing, but it's only a thing until it's not. So I keep thinking, based on the roster, that this is going to be the year, this is going to be the year, this is going to be the year. Last year, I told myself, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mock a cornerback to the Buffalo Bills. Well, I'll tell you whether or not I did in a little bit. Last one, Chris says, hey, Bruce, as we sit in anticipation for the NFL's version of Christmas, I have a take regarding who the Bills will draft in the first round. If the Bills remain at pick 25, they will select either of these two players, Jordan Davis or Tariq Woolen. And here's the logic he puts underneath him. Jordan Davis, athletic freak, fits the mold of the Bills believing in pass rush more than coverage, also fits new Bills interior defensive line shift getting bigger, interior defensive line long-term contract situation, no players currently locked since 2023, Bean's belief in locker room influence bigger than Davis's weight issues. Tariq Woolen, athletic freak, fits Bills measurables at corner, already possesses elite traits, height, arm length, speed, and can develop skills, pass coverage, technique, 
under already highly skilled secondary and Sean McDermott expertise. Chip on the shoulder, small school player. Bean reaches for him the first because cornerback will be a hot commodity in the first two rounds. Can't find a trade back partner. He predicts seven or more corners will be drafted before pick 57. Wants to snag his guy. He'll double dip a corner late in day three. I would actually be surprised if either one of these were the picks. I really would. I think that both of them make sense from what you're describing. Uh, Tariq Woolen is absolutely a freak. But when you look at his tape, it's not like there is a gap between where he wants to be and where he is. It's almost like there's a chasm between where he wants to be and where he is. And I just, I don't know if you take a first round pick on that. I think you do when it's a quarterback like Josh Allen, whose college tape was not that good. But it would be a little bit like taking Stephen Hill. Do you remember Stephen Hill, the wide receiver from Georgia Tech way back in the day, who people thought might be the next Calvin Johnson? Just really, really freaky guy. But the tape just didn't show any sort of actual wide receiver stuff. Tariq Woolen has a lot of work to do. I would be very, very surprised if he was a first-round pick at all in the 2022 NFL draft. And I don't think Jordan Davis is going to be there at 25, especially with the flags starting to come up on Devontae Wyatt. I think there's a very, very, very strong chance that Jordan Davis is the first defensive tackle off the board. Uh, Ravens 14, Chargers 17, those kind of places. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a quick break. And then we're going to come back. We're going to go through my one attempt at a predictive mock. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We went through emails. We talked about intellectual honesty. And now, here we go. Bruce's attempt at a 2022 predictive NFL mock draft. I will try to give you as much insight and the whys behind why I did it with each pick. Number one. Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevon Walker, Edge, Georgia. This feels a little bit like the Mario Williams pick to me. You take the toolsy guy who's a pass rusher. You think he's the highest ceiling if fully developed in a draft class that is a little bit underwhelming by a lot of accounts. I think that Trent Balky is a traits, traits, traits kind of guy. And he's going to see Trevon Walker and think this guy, you can make an argument, is one of the best athletes in the entire draft. And I'm going to take him. Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, Edge, Michigan. Went back and forth between Kayvon Thibodeau here and Aiden Hutchinson. I think that Kayvon Thibodeau very well may be the higher upside pick. And I think Brad Holmes, the GM, might very well favor him. However, I have a very hard time imagining a Dan Campbell Detroit Lions team passing up Aiden Hutchinson on the edge. I mean, it's literally everything what a rebuilding and culture changing team wants to have on the edge. And I'm, I think it's a, a run to the podium kind of pick. Houston Texans, Derek Stingley, cornerback, LSU. That's right. Not Sauce Gardner. I think if you look at Houston Texans coach, you might think no corner because Lovey Smith, cover two system, doesn't maybe value the man to man coverage ability as much. But Nick Casario is really the guy running their ship there. And Nick Casario comes from New England, where essentially they only really paid corners 
in New England. When they swung big, they swung big on a quarter. And Derek Stingley fits that mold. So I went with Stingley here for the Texans. Number four, New York Jets. Ike McQuanu, offensive tackle, NC State. We still don't know what's going on with Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. If Makai Becton comes back and Aquanu can play inside for a year, great. If he can't, there are whispers around the league that Makai Becton might not play for the Jets and that the coaching staff might have soured on him. You can't have Zach Wilson going into a pivotal year two without absolute assurance that his blind side can be protected. So for me, Ike Aquanu, offensive tackle, NC State. Number five, New York Giants, Ahmad Gardner, cornerback, Cincinnati. The Giants are like, oh, yes, I will take this cornerback. Thank you. Giants GM Joe Shane, of course, comes from Buffalo, where he saw the effect that Tredavious White can have. Brian Dable, clearly going to be on board. They've got time. They don't have to take something that is going to help them win right now. They're a brand new regime. They can get the best player at a position that is of significance. And for them, that's Ahmad Gardner. Number six. There has been a trade. The Philadelphia Eagles came up to number six in a trade with the Carolina Panthers and took Jamison Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. I think that the Eagles need to know what they have when it comes to their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, this year. And they already got their stuff next year. And they've got the ammunition this year where they can trade up from the pick that they were at, which was 15, and they can get to six without giving up the one next year because they need the one next year in case Jalen Hurts isn't the dude. But in the meantime, let's isolate the variable. Jameson Williams is on track for recovery. He could only miss a couple games. And you're going to have most of the year to evaluate a healthy Jamison Williams with Jalen Hurts. And if it doesn't work out, the next quarterback is already set to go. Number seven, New York Giants. Charles Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi. Foundational pieces. You get Sauce Gardner at five, you get Charles Cross at seven. A lot of people think Charles Cross is potentially the best pass blocker in this draft, and he's a foundational piece. Again, who did the Buffalo Bills pay? Deion Dawkins, Tredavious White. Where do they put that positional value? If you are building the foundational pieces of your team, you're going to start with corner, offensive tackle, pass rusher, and quarterback. And they're probably going to punt the quarterback thing to next year. And I think they very well could go a pass rush here. But when you have the defensive coordinator that they have, you can manufacture that kind of stuff. People sometimes forget that the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants right now is Wink Martindale from the Ravens. So he's going to bring all sorts of crazy stuff. And he doesn't necessarily need elite one-on-one pass rushers to do it. Number eight, Atlanta Falcons, Drake London, wide receiver, USC. You got to get some talent in that wide receiver room. And this is a good class to do it. Marcus Mariota has almost no shot. Now we can make an argument as to whether or not Marcus Mariota was going to have a shot anyway. That's a reasonable argument to make. But you have to inject some talent, especially Calvin Ridley is future unknown when it comes to the Falcons. Even when he's reinstated, there's a chance he doesn't play again for that team. You need talent there. Seattle Seahawks, Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge, Oregon. I initially was going through this going, maybe the Seahawks could trade back a bit. But then Kayvon Thibodeau fell to them at nine. And I was like, no, 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 they'll take him. Now, the Seahawks are known for doing weird things in the first round. That's not uncommon. But in this case, he fell right in their laps. 
And this is a team that is not one piece away. This is a team that needs good players in a lot of different places, and Edge is one of them. New York Jets, Jermaine Johnson, Edge, Florida State. It's been well documented how much the Jets like Jermaine Johnson. There was discussion about him potentially going at four. They get him here at 10, and the Edge class pretty much all goes in the top 10. 11, Washington Commanders, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. The ironic thing about this is this would give the Washington Commanders three wide receivers from Ohio State. Curtis Samuel, Garrett Wilson, Terry McLaurin. I just find that really ironic, and I just kind of wanted to put it in there because I thought it would be a funny story. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Terry McLaurin contract stuff is still out there. Teams have been sniffing around potentially his availability. Let's go ahead and get another weapon, and let's make sure that Carson Wentz has some people to throw to this year. New Orleans Saints are on the clock. Why are the New Orleans Saints on the clock? Because they traded up with the Minnesota Vikings at 12. Vikings are going to trade back. It is the first year of an analytically inclined front office. That smells like a trade down to me. Why do the Saints come up to 12? Evan Neal is the last offensive tackle available in the top tier. And they want to get an offensive tackle to build around Jameis Winston and deal with the loss of Taron Armstead in free agency to the Miami Dolphins. Number 13, Pittsburgh Steelers. Whoa, the Steelers are at 20. There has been a trade. They traded up with the Houston Texans. And the Pittsburgh Steelers take the first quarterback. Malik Willis, quarterback, Liberty, comes off the board at 13. That's right. The Steelers make their move once he falls out of the top 10 and they can get there for a reasonable price. They trade up, they get their guy. This is somebody who they think might need some work and they're okay with that because they're completely okay with dealing with the stability that they have and using it as a weapon when it comes to quarterback development. Because a lot of times when it comes to quarterback development, you don't have time because you don't have job security. If you're the Steelers front office and the Steelers head coach, you can afford the time because you have the job security. You have to leverage your advantage, which is job security, toward developing a quarterback. Malik Willis could sit for one year. Malik Willis could sit for a year and a half. You don't know. Because you're not in any pressure by ownership to play this quarterback or you're going to get fired. Number 14, Baltimore Ravens. Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. What a Baltimore Ravens pick, right? Plug him in at right tackle. Absolutely destroy people in the run game. Just totally fits. Number 15, the Carolina Panthers are on the clock because they traded back with the Eagles. Kenny Pickett, quarterback, Pittsburgh. But Bruce, why would any team trade down in the first round and then pick a quarterback? I know, right? Only insane people would do that. Hint, hint, wink, wink, elbow, elbow. The Carolina Panthers traded back because they didn't have any capital to trade for a quarterback. If you want to trade for Baker Mayfield, if you want to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't have the day two picks to do it. So you traded back in order to do it. But then your dude, your dude, Kenny Pickett, all the Temple connections, all the connections with the owner, David Tepper, ends up being there at 15, you're like, okay, well, I guess we'll just take them then. The player that we were probably going to end up taking at six. That's the logic behind this pick. 
16, New Orleans Saints, Chris Olave, wide receiver, Ohio State. I don't think the Saints are gunning for a quarterback. Maybe they are, because let's be honest, you can be wrong. But I think they want a wide receiver and they want a tackle. They trade up to get their tackle at 12. And now here they are at 16. They're getting their wide receiver, Chris Olave. You're getting Michael Thomas back, but you still need some verticality. Chris Olave gives you that. You've got two foundational offensive pieces. You can isolate the variable with Jameis Winston. Let's go do this thing. 17, Los Angeles Chargers, Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. The Chargers love to live in too high. They absolutely love to live in too high. It's a foundational piece of their head coach. One of the things that enables that is having a defensive tackle who could two gap on the front. And the Chargers didn't really have it effectively last year. Jordan Davis fits what they want to do, fits what they want to accomplish to be able to continue to run their defense and not get gashed by the run. Philadelphia Eagles at 18. Trent McDuffie, cornerback, Washington. Really, really, really good athlete. And the Eagles got to get some help across from Darius Slay. I think that you got your receiver. Pass and stop the pass is the name of the game in the NFL. So you come back, you get Trent McDuffie here. Number 19, the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock because they traded down with New Orleans Saints. Zion Johnson, offensive guard, Boston College. Trading down and getting a high athlete guard just seems right to me from an analytic standpoint. Not not to mention, it fits the need, and Zion Johnson's arguably the best guard in this class, best interior offensive lineman in this class. Number 20, Houston Texans. This is the trade back from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kyle Hamilton. Safety, Notre Dame. How on earth could Kyle Hamilton make it to 20? Bruce, Derwin James made it to 17. It's just the way it goes. Unless you have a team who really likes the safety, sometimes they just fall. And in this case, something had to give. I think that he fits what Houston wants to do defensively. You look at that New England system. Again, versatile safety. So Houston took Derek Stingley and then Kyle Hamilton. Pass and stop the pass. Bill Belichick has always been a coverage over pass rush sort of guy. And investing in the secondary feels like something that Nick Casario would do. 21, New England Patriots. Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. The Patriots desperately need to get speed at linebacker. The Bills exposed them last year in the playoffs when it comes to just not having enough speed on the second level. And I think the Patriots are going to have to evolve a little bit because historically they've gone with heavier, slower, thumper linebackers. And it's just... It's just not as effective when you're not getting turnovers. It's not as effective when you have a team who doesn't really care that much about trying to run the ball. And I think you need a more playmaking linebacker. And I think Devin Lloyd's a place to get it. Green Bay Packers, 22. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. Yes, it finally happened. The Packers took a wide receiver in the first round. Jahan Dotson's someone who can be a high volume target. He's an ISO player. He can create for himself. I think it's really valuable. That's one of the things they had in Devontae Adams. No, I am not saying Jahan Dotson is Devontae Adams. I'm saying having someone who can create for himself and be fed a volume of targets is really important. And the Packers get it with Jahan Dotson. Arizona Cardinals, Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. Why on earth would the Cardinals want another gadget guy? I don't know. They've already got Rondale Moore. But it feels like something that would go well in their offense, where you can manufacture some touches, you can give him some things out of the backfield, you don't have to ask him 
to run a bunch of routes. He can't run. But the Cardinals need to do something to make sure that they can look Kyler Murray in the face and go, look, we're trying. And I think that's why the first round pick ends up being a wide receiver. Dallas Cowboys, Arnold Ebiketti, Edge, Penn State. I am not buying at all. I am not buying at all the discussion coming out of the Cowboys right now that Randy Gregory was a decision that they made. Randy Gregory pulled out on them. And they've been talking about how much they really like the backups. And I just, I don't buy it. The Dallas Cowboys were able to be successful because they took the ball away and they got pressure. And I don't think you're going to put Micah Parsons as a full-time edge rusher. You need to replace Randy Gregory. Arnold Ebiketti might be one of the most underrated players in this draft. Cowboys get him at 24. The moment has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. With the 25th overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Kyler Gordon, cornerback, Washington. I know I'm going to regret this. I know. Bruce, you said you were never going to mock a corner. I know. It just makes so much sense, though, guys. It makes so much sense. I swear I'm not hope casting. I swear I'm not projecting. It just makes a lot of sense. This is what I wrote for buffalorumlinks.com. The Bills need at corner lines up with the players on the board in this mock. Kenyon Greig got flagged for injury concerns, as did linebacker Devin Lloyd, who ended up going ahead of the Bills anyway. George Pickens and Devontae Wyatt are off-field questions. They might cause the Bills brass to shy away. Daxton Hill and Lewis Seen were considerations here, especially given Brandon Bean's comments about the draft being a long-term play. But ultimately, like in 2020 with the Ed Oliver pick and a glaring need at three-tech defensive tackle at the time, the positions with the clearest paths to reps in 2022 won out. Means I've got Kyir Elam, I've got Kyler Gordon, and I've got a running back as the top contenders for this spot given the way the board fell. Andrew Booth, I think serious medical red flags. And in this mock, spoiler alert, he drops out of the first round entirely. I think the Bills will value Gordon's aggressiveness and the gap that exists between what he is now and what he could become. They've been interested in traits early and they've invested in them with picks like Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, and Oliver, with the hopes that their coaches would be able to help them adjust to the pro game. Gordon is still in need of technical refinement, but has rare movement skills with a background in competitive dance and kung fu. He plays with an alpha dog mentality and a nonstop motor, both traits that will endear him to head coach Sean McDermott and general manager Brandon Bean. So I predicted Kyler Gordon. As a reminder, last year I predicted an edge rusher. I got the edge rusher wrong. I predicted Odafe Owe and they took Gregory Rousseau. So I got the position right, but I got the player wrong. Which means if they pick Kair Elam, then I'm on to something, baby. I got the I got the pick right at the position and the player wrong. But when I look at Kyler Gordon, he matches all the other trends that the Buffalo Bills like to see. When it comes to football character, when it comes to traits, when it comes to the ability to be coached up, Kyler Gordon's ceiling is just as high as most of the corners in this draft. Now, There's some work to get there, but there's some work with Gregory Rousseau. There was some work with Ed Oliver. There was some work with Tremaine Edmonds. There was some work with Josh Allen. None of these players, I thought, came into the league as a finished product or even close to a finished product. And that's what Kyler Gorn is, someone who is not a finished product. 
26, Tennessee Titans, Tyler Smith, offensive tackle, Tulsa. It is time for Tennessee to make up for the miss that was Isaiah Wilson. I don't think this team is changing their identity anytime soon. I think they know who they want to be. We missed on Isaiah Wilson. Let's come back and get Tyler Smith. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kenyon Green, offensive guard, Texas A&M. The Buccaneers are trying to win a championship. Plug in a guard because you lost some interior offensive linemen this year and go get it. Green Bay Packers, Boye Mafe, Edge, Minnesota. You lost to Darius Smith, go replace him. Boye Mafe, really talented player. You swing on traits and you know you're not a finished product, but you have a chance. 29, Kansas City Chiefs. George Pickens, wide receiver, Georgia. Whoa, this is crazy, Bruce. Yes. If anyone is going to take a shot on a talented but problematic receiver, it's going to be Andy Reid. He's going to say all the talent in the world, talent to be a top 10 pick. And when you draft consistently in the back half of round one, which the Chiefs do, how are you going to gain that advantage? How are you going to get really, really, really talented players in the draft? Well, you have to be willing to live with some warts. Andy Reid has proven he is willing to live with warts. Number 30, also the Kansas City Chiefs. Lewis Seen, safety, Georgia. There's your honey badger replacement. Go out and get yourself a safety. I know they signed Justin Reed. I am familiar with that. But you have a chance to do a lot of things on the back end with a player who is as versatile as Lewis Seen. Some people think there's a chance he was the best player on a Georgia defensive team that was historic. Cincinnati Bengals, 31. Kair Elam, cornerback, Florida. You go out and you sign the offensive lineman that you did so that you can draft a player like Kair Elam. And the Bengals love length when it comes to their players. Kair Elam has that. He has man coverage ability. And you can't just say Eli Apple's the dude. You can't do it. Kair Elam, 31, Bengals. 32, there has been a trade. The Atlanta Falcons are back at 32, and they take quarterback Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. I think a lot of people have made the Desmond Ritter to Ryan Tannehill comparison. And of course, Ryan Tannehill famously saw his best play under Arthur Smith, who is now the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Someone that they feel comfortable sitting, developing for a minute behind Marcus Mariota. And three quarterbacks end up going in the first round. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. I am glad that you decided to spend this time with me before the 2022 NFL Draft. And if you're listening to this after the draft, you can see all the mistakes I made and all the places I got wrong. But I tried really, really hard to make sure that this was an exercise that made sense, that I could justify all the picks so that when I walk away from it, I go, yeah, okay. If I got five of them, right, six of them, eight of them, I'd be thrilled with that. Last year, I got all six of the first six right, and I did pretty well overall. This year, goodness gracious, I don't even know. It's going to be crazy, and that's what's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure, and I am glad to spend that time adventuring with you. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumpers. <laughs>